Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers. I am Andy Zaltzman. This is issue 4133 of The Bugle. It's Friday, the 13th of December, and I'm here in London, where the UK is aflame with excitement after a truly extraordinary general election result. The pro-Brexit vote down to 14.8 million. The votes for Remain and referendums supporting parties up to 16.6 million. The call to end the uncertainties inspired the voters to surely vote a path to the stability of continued membership of the European Union. And now, unarguable democratic statements. We have a Prime Minister who uh, recently unseated his predecessor because she was so unelectably hopeless up against one of the least popular, most media-vilified opposition leaders in British history who could only splutter support for his party back up by a hardly moon-bending 1%. Pathetic. The Liberal Democrats added a spectacular 60% to their vote. The Greens up by over 60% as well as a youth-come-climate-quake shook British politics to its foundations. Now, I must acknowledge that 16.6 million people being in favour of something or not completely against something does not constitute an unarmed divine overwhelming mandate will other people have spoken etc etc and I don't expect it to be as simple as just simply not getting Brexit not done but after all these cynically manipulated divisions of recent years surely this election represents a long overdue generational shift towards a more forward looking inclusive open minded Britain of course none of that happened apart from the facts about how people voted but this is the bugle we're recording in Britain where our electoral system is to be as polite as is appropriate unbelievably shit at maths. Uh, so I am Andy Zaltzman, <laughs> or at least 43% of me, and that's more than enough. And joining me to provide some insight, explanation, already tear-swamped shoulders, comfort and or joy at this pre-Christmas time. Probably uh, more of the former, uh, less of the latter. Firstly, well, let's begin with a man who, judging from what he said on his previous appearances on the show, is not a huge fan of our now fully entrenched, full-blown Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it's Mark Steele. <sighs> If, if, if a man like Boris Johnson stood to be leader of the country and across the country he got 35 votes, you'd go, how f***ing depressing. (laughs) (laughs) And this steaming, lying, incompetent pile of f***ing fox shit (laughs) who so, somehow, even on, forget the politics, forget the racism, any of that, just on grounds of sheer, utter, sociopathic, useless, destructive incompetence, the man can't even turn up to one of his f***ing interviews on his own election campaign without hiding in a fridge. (laughs) He's just useless. You can't have him to be Prime Minister. It makes no more sense than going up to the bloke who stands outside Poundland dancing (laughs) in a circle in his pink fluorescent swimming trunks, swinging a bag full of fish heads and a scotch egg and going, mate, do you want to rewire me electrics? It's f***ing mad. And it's clear that uh, uh, so many people go, you're just going to get Brexit done. And get Brexit is clearly a religion. There is no... Utter, there is absolutely no, ra- any rational thought you could say. He's not going to get Brexit done, he's only going to get it started. And it doesn't matter whether he's going to do that anyway, because you're probably going to die from f***ing <laughs> food bank disease or whatever. And, or everything, he's just horrible. He's going to sell everything to Trump. It is clear he is the most appalling human being that's ever lived. He's got 150 kids. He doesn't f***ing <laughs> take any notice of them. And yet... And yet, yeah, but Brexit done, uh, and that's it just—it's clearly a religion. 
It does. It doesn't matter of all the rationality that that doesn't make any sense. And I expect there will be people now. If you point this out, they'll go. Ah, but Brexit moves in mysterious ways, <laughs> <laughs> and somehow we've got to put up with it. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Labour were useless to lose to that. I think it. You know, when you're a football team, there's a. When you're at a football match and you're supporting your team and a goal from the other side goes in and there's this eerie silence and then after about 20 seconds, everyone starts going, that goalkeeper's shit, we've got to get rid of it. <laughs> and I think it was like that. There was about an hour of just people just staring at walls and things <laughs> and then going, that Corbyn's shit, we've got to get rid of it. <laughs> should never have bought him. <laughs> Well, so, uh, well, you've, I think, firmly laid your political cards on the table there, Mark. Um, We're now at a point, this is a Tory party now that's too vile for Esseltine, who was one of Thatcher's main ministers, John Major, Kenneth Clark. You see Kenneth Clark come on now and you think, oh, it's lovely Kenneth Clark. And, and he comes on, well, I, I worked under Margaret Thatcher for many years. She was, <laughs> she was quite evil enough for me, really. But Boris just has been a bit ridiculous, really. No need to be that much of a bastard. And you think, oh, lovely Ken, I'll go and watch some jazz with you. <laughs> this is a truly historic day for British comedy. Mark Steele essentially saying, bring back Thatcher. <laughs> yes, yes. Thought we'd never see the day. Um, uh, also joining us to provide some uh, perspective from uh, around the world, um, from two countries that, of course, would not dream of electing leaders with a bit of a penchant for expedient social provocation. <laughs> from India and Australia, Anuvab Pal and Alice Fraser. Hello, uh, w- welcome, Anuvab. You, you just f- you flew in yesterday to see all this. Un- un- not specifically in order to see this. Un- you flew <laughs> yes. in yesterday, and this then unfolded. So well, you're to blame. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I am. Uh, you know, this had to, you know, be seen in person. You know, um, I was quite taken by the phrase, let's get Brexit done. Right. Uh, because I didn't think that that phrase made any sense. But to have a whole nation fall for it, it makes me think everything should be changed to let's get X done. In fact, right. I was thinking if this podcast, instead of its tagline being, an audio newspaper of the visual world was called Let's Get This Podcast Done. <laughs> Do you yeah. think the number of listeners yeah, yeah. would go up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Definitely. all about simple messaging, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, personally, I th- I've, uh, you know, I've had enough of oversimplistic slogans and I'd, I'd like to launch my own slogan, which is End Oversimplistic Slogans. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be chanting that on street corners for the rest of my life. And then can you go in the question time audience <laughs> and whenever someone says... Well, I think that uh, the economics of this just end on simplistic <laughs> slogans. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm very happy to be here. I, I fled my country, which is on fire. Our own Prime Minister, in response to the fact that we are on fire, has decided to push very hard for a bill about religious freedom, uh, presumably so we all know uh, that we are allowed to pray to whatever gods we want as our houses go up in flames. Uh, and then to come here and have such such certainty from the people, a landslide victory for the Tories, so we can all like be really happy that we all we can all agree on these fundamental principles that wealth means health, uh, might means right, and Brexit means Brexit. 
This idea that we can get Brexit done I find reassuring because it gives me some sort of a fixed point in the up until now very uh, ephemeral ontology of what Brexit actually is other than an amorphous cloud of sort of vaguely associated ideals mainly to do with getting uh, away from the present and back into the past. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think Boris Johnson is the perfect person to get this done. He's the only one with practice from walking away from his responsibilities to a complex ecosystem, right? He's abandoned so many children he shouldn't find it hard to walk an entire nation away from its support next network. And uh, I'm excited to see what Scotland does next. Right. right? Yeah, I mean that that is a, a an interesting a, an interesting angle on this. Well, because Scotland's very anti, so Brexit yes. isn't really Britain exit; it's it's England exit. So it should no, just I mean, be it, called exit, or maybe Wales as well. So it should be called Wanksit. Right. But well, this is this is the thing with with Brexit. It, it has revealed certain things about the United Kingdom that a lot of people, certainly, certainly in England, didn't know, which was. For example, that uh, that it wasn't just England. Um, <laughs> was, uh, we, we weren't. To- we weren't. To- I think people. We just assume that when the empire ended, all the bits fell off. Um, <laughs> not just the bits a long way away, but just everything. Uh, so it's been. Uh, I think they might just reactivate Hadrian's Wall. I think that's that is. Well, they're going to. Uh, they're going to ask fairly quickly for a referendum on leaving. Boris Johnson is adamant he's not going to give them one. I just wonder, maybe you can help with this, is there any sort of examples in history of when a country wants to leave the country that it's part of and doesn't want to be part of it and the the mother country says, no, we're not going to let you leave even if you... Does that ever cause any problems? <laughs> well, from the last 250 years, I can't think of an example, Mark, where this may have happened between two countries. I wonder. I mean, that's very cynical, of course. I mean, because we're we're Britain. We're one of the great nations. Well, we learn from our mistakes, and you know, at some point, we're going to get it right. Well, as two British men sitting in a room with two of the reminders of your colonial past, <laughs> uh, I mean, you don't so much learn from your mistakes as have them come back and hijack your podcast. <laughs> I think. Cook it- off food it's great <laughs> well i come from a country where we're choking on the smoke of our own mistakes i'm genuinely impressed by a man who has the courage to appear as incompetent as he actually is yeah. it's yeah, pleasing yeah. honesty yeah yeah and also mark to answer you know it's weird how history turns out because you know right now mahatma gandhi is still probably somewhere in the british parliament demanding independence <laughs> but last week uh Hindus for Boris group released a video where they took a Hindu religious devotional song, replaced Lord Vishnu with Boris Johnson (laughs) and and superimposed images of just uh, Mr. Johnson just shaking hands with people in turbans. Chris, can we get a a snippet of this? I think I think the same people did one for Zach Goldsmith a few years ago for the London Merrill. I think we might even have <laughs> talked about it on on the Bugle. I mean, what do Hindus think Boris Johnson is a reincarnation of? <laughs> well, I I have a couple. Of I don't the, want to know the answer to this. <laughs> a couple of the lines of the lyrics suggest that he is very close to God. Uh, and the other thing it says is he'll get everything done. <laughs> everything done. <laughs> yeah. And what what they said about Jeremy Corbyn that some things don't translate correctly in Hindi is that he has a face on his face. Right. <laughs> so I guess they wanted to say two faced, but the right phrases did not exist in the Dave Nagri scripts. Oh no, I know exactly what that feels like when you're jet lagged and it feels like your face is sort of detached from your face, and you're like, is this a smile? I think that's a. That's probably how. 
Corbyn feels at all times, yeah. just constantly trying to live up to his own expectations so, of... Yeah, yeah, yes. Does, uh, does this feel like a, a version of Modi, then? <laughs> well, you know, um, Modi's, I think, a couple of steps ahead uh, in that I think... To build a totalitarian, like we, they just passed a bill in India that uh, said that uh, India would take in refugees as long as they were not Muslim refugees. So a, a country that's supposed to be secular, or the country Gandhi fought for, they just passed a bill that says you could come from anywhere. You could be Norwegian, you could be Sikh. Uh, if you are uh, from a Muslim country, we can't take you in. And then Modi came out and said, this has nothing to do with religion. <laughs> We're just surrounded by a bunch of strange countries. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard someone just saying so, so that the, the law was that minorities can't be uh, refused. And, and then they were sort of using the, this to say, well, they're coming from Muslim countries where they're not uh, a minority. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Right. I mean, but that's some kind of bullshit sophistry going on there, isn't it? I mean, are they you know, then appealing for... Huge amount. I mean, what if you are, say, a, a gay Muslim? Would you then be allowed in? Uh, no, I, I think I think his point is that because Bangladesh and Pakistan, from where the refugees come from, who are probably fleeing, you know, certain human rights abuses, um, are coming into India because they happen to be from Muslim countries. Um, they can't. They can't. It's a whole different matter that India is the second largest Muslim country in the world. Anubhav, I love the delicacy of your phrasing. Certain human rights abuses make it sound like a tea party. Yeah. There's going to be a cracking uh, racism against Muslim Olympics with Trump, Modi, and Johnson, isn't there? <laughs> well, bring sport into it. I'm on side. Um, it, it was a rather d- dramatic uh, night, um, uh, and uh, at the start, of the BBC's coverage at ten o'clock, they, they flashed up on the side of the BBC building uh, just I think above the statue made by the notorious paedophile Eric Gill that the BBC's chosen not to remove despite you know the fact well, that it's a everything. man holding a child from behind it's a <laughs> it's deeply a na- creepy it's statue it's a naked child as well let's not it's forget a naked that. child we don't know if the man's naked because he's holding the child's head in front of his penis um, uh, but you know it's, the, it's uh, anyway but anyway the BBC's not got around to that but they did get around to putting it on the front of the building a huge great uh, sign <laughs> saying con 368 uh which uh, I'd assume was just uh, a latest leaderboard of the amount of lies told in the Tory government, <laughs> but it was in fact the projected number of seats they were going to uh, going to get. Um, it's it was you know disastrous, uh, Mark, from Jeremy Corbyn's point of view. His cunning electoral plan of not having any plan on the defining battleground of our times with a side order in failing as elementary grade one anti anti semitism practical coursework didn't <laughs> didn't go as well as it could have done well for about a year and a half you know because it's very important obviously with your main policy that it's simple and that's why when the liberals had um, scrap bollocks to brexit and boris johnson of course had get brexit done and corbyn had we will support a second referendum on the establishment of an (laughs) anti-referendum in the customs union as long as there is no customs union (laughs) if the ball pitches outside off stumble the batsman isn't playing a shot I I think that was (laughs) can't see what was wrong with that I think they they seemed for about a year um, Labour seemed to have the Brexit policy seemed to have called called two factions um, it, with regard to the Brexit policy in the in the Labour Party, one of which was angry about it, and the other one was bewildered about it. Everyone was one of them too. <laughs> yeah. Either, What's she on about? Or 
About. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the left has has a lesson to learn from this, which is that people will prefer even a shitty strong statement as long as it's strongly and affirmatively stated enough, rather than an infinitely recursive series of footnotes and exceptions. It's hard to vote for the like infinitely. if Cameron instead of mucking about, he'd probably still have got got through all that if he just was known for going I fucked a pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <And, laughs> yeah. Simple. I fucked a pig, I'll do it again. Yeah. But that's something to vote for. Either yeah. you support yeah. that or you don't. You know, with Make America Great Again, um, I, I was doing a little bit of research, Andy, on, on phrases used in election campaigns. And you bring this up, Mark. Um, I fucked a pig. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. But it's definitive. You know, India had an election in the last May when Modi won overwhelming majority. One of the candidates in the state of Bihar was running against a guy who was charged with murder. And he he <laughs> ran away middle of the campaign. So the other guy campaigned on the catchphrase, I'm still here. <laughs> but you know, you know what you're voting for. Yeah. It's the guy still, still there. Here. The other guy ran away. So people... Need to- <laughs> yeah, he should have stood, stood his ground and his slogan should have been, yeah, I'm a murderer, so what? Good, that's a good line. So you know what you're voting for. Yeah. I've killed, I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm prepared. Yeah, I'm tough. We want a tough leader, don't we? Yeah. Don't one of these people who's like shies away from murder. <laughs> Um, the uh, the exit poll wasn't exactly right. The Conservatives uh, they ended up on three hundred and sixty four seats, which oh, is they? Oh, really irritating, it isn't it? Three fifty seven. Because well, that's three hundred and sixty four is the uh, highest score by an England player in <laughs> Test cricket, and that number is tainted, tainted. That's Len Huntley Oval in thirty eight, of course. It's awful. Turnout was down a little to sixty seven percent. In the 80 years between 1920 and the end of the millennium, it never dropped below 70%. Uh, but the weather was a bit wet, um, and uh, that may have slightly suppressed uh, turnout. So um, I hope people remember that. Actually, the weather during the Battle of Britain was quite sunny, uh, so those pilots don't really understand how difficult it is to get to a polling station in some drizzle. So let's try <laughs> and keep these things in, in, uh, in perspective. And it was it was clearly that you know Brexit was the defining issue. Whatever you think of Brexit, what you think it's a heroic break for freedom, casting off the shackles, reminiscent of when my friend Mike broke free from the shackles of his own house and sofa and went to the pub for a pint. Uh, or whether you think it's the 21st century equivalent of Joan of Arc jumping into the fire shouting, I love barbecues and my toes look like sausages. Um, uh, who knows? But the the mathematics of it are really baffling. That, that here we are, that you know, if you add up the Conservative vote and the uh, Brexit Party vote and the, uh, the DUP vote in Northern Ireland, it, it comes to... For about 14.8 million, like I said, if you add up uh, Labour calling for a second referendum, there's clearly splits within the Labour Party, but then pl- add the Liberal Democrats, the Greens and uh, the other parties uh, calling for either Brexit or a second referendum, that is 16.5 million. And yet the effect of this is an overwhelming mandate for Brexit. Our electoral system is utterly insane. Yeah, I don't understand the yep. first-past-the-post thing at yes. all. Well, as I think I've said before, it's a very good system for deciding horse races. Less good for <laughs> deciding elections. <laughs> yes. Yes, you wouldn't have proportional representation in horse racing. It <laughs> made no sense. Um, well, the guy came ninth. He ran, he ran 1.7 furlongs as opposed to the two furlongs of the other guy in the same time. 
So he should still get one twelfth of the prize. <laughs> but it's, so it essentially came out of tactical voting, didn't it? That that on one side did it. You know, it was slightly easier, I guess. There were fewer options. But, you know, the Brex- Brexit Party were polling over 10% um, at the end of yes. October. And they went down to under 3% in the election. So the Brexit vote went to the Conservatives and the Remain vote was diffused. And, uh, you know, there were... Yeah, the columnist Marina Hyde said uh, about, I read about nine months ago uh, in one of her columns, she said, I think what we'll all end up saying is like football supporters when your team's lost and you go, their side wanted it more than ours. (laughs) And I think that's what's happened. Uh, Paul Mason, the left-wing writer, uh, wrote uh, in the aftermath of the election result, we're facing what Hannah Arendt called the temporary alliance of the elite and the mob. The only answer to it is an alliance of the left and centre. Now, if only that need for an alliance of the left and centre had been blindingly f***ing obvious months ago, <laughs> we, might have, we, might, we, might, we might have been able to you know, mitigate something. Well, you say that. I had, and with a, a woman who was a, a green MEP, who stood, I think we were talking about this, weren't we? Yeah. In Stroud, and I'm a big fan of the Green Party, but this woman was standing in an area where the Labour Party won last time by, I think, 300 votes. And she said, she's a big high-profile Green person, I'm going to stand in this area. And I, I just wrote a little thing to her and I said, what are you doing? This is really close. And Labour are committed to a second referendum. Yes, but he doesn't support Remain. No, but if the Tory gets in, they're just going to get Brexit done. I know you have to look in the small print of what they say at the bottom of fucking it down! <laughs> oh, you're just gonna. And she she wrote to me. She wrote to me. But Labour can't win on their own here. And I thought, are you under the impression they're going to add your vote and the Labour vote together? You fucking great fucking <laughs> ecological. I would like to contextualise this outburst. Uh, Mark Steele got to these studios an hour early and had a nap. <laughs> I feel like you were storing up all your energy like a yeah, coiled just snake. Remember, honest, honestly, it, and guess what? Exactly your point, Andy. Guess what? The Labour candidate lost by a thousand, and she got fifteen hundred votes. Oh. isn't that and the Tor- so the Tory won? So I guess but it comes down to that old phrase, you know, at, uh, you know, shutting the stable whore off. Shutting the stable door after the horse has bolted, but there's no point. <laughs> Shutting the stable door is pretty good too. <laughs> there's no point. There's... Sex work is real work. <laughs> yeah, uh... We have a whore that lives in the stable. <laughs> <laughs> We're very kind to her. We give her new hay every day. <laughs> there's no time for a Jacob Rees-Mogg impression now. Um... <laughs> Well, I guess the point is there's no point shutting the stable door if you can't agree what type of lock to fit to it. You need to leave the door open, brandish your lock towards the horse, and say to the horse, can you please stay where you are? That's, that's <laughs> yeah. the way to do it. But to Mark's point, you know, um, th- these are the times where corruption really helps. Um, here's a little <laughs> lesson from defecting members of parliament in India. Like when you have a seat uh, that you know is divisive, uh, what one party does is first they try to bribe the other person not to stand with stuff like a refrigerator a car Uh, sometimes when that doesn't work out I mean that'll work for Boris Johnson he loves a fridge (laughs) yeah yeah, he likes being inside wouldn't have worked for the green party though would it a A car Uh, you could get a range of options could be a voucher could be anything (laughs) (laughs) and when that (laughs) 
Well, that doesn't work out sometimes <laughs> what happens. And, and again, this is why we are an advanced democracy, because we've thought through some of these things. Uh, they actually sometimes lock members of parliament, legislative assembly people in a hotel, in a five-star hotel, <laughs> with food and drink till they change their opinion. <laughs> This is really? how recently in the Karnataka elections, there was a threat of 150 defecting, defecting members of Legislative Assembly. They were going to switch parties uh, for ethics or whatever other reason. And they locked, <laughs> they physically did not let them leave a five star hotel. Uh, and, and they just basically bribed them till they remained with the party they were with. I mean, that's a great kind of bribe, bribe slash threat combo. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's, and free food and drink flowing, and you know. Well, in this country, what they prefer to do is to do their bribery in a sort of a roundabout, a roundabout way by buying bots on Twitter. <laughs> Much more honourable that way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Just manipulate Good. the st- streams of information to particular demographics until they fold to your view of reality. So you don't don't need. I've, I've probably said this on the Bugle. You don't really need to bother with uh, um, electoral corruption in this country because the voting system. Pretty much does it all for you, and no one needs right no one needs to suffer through a five star hotel. <laughs> Most importantly, I mean, would you not though just stay? Because you could, couldn't you just go? I'm going to stand in this constituency and split the vote in the hope that then, you know, oh, I reckon I'm going to get a, a new lawnmower out of this. <laughs> many do, yeah, many. <laughs> um, uh, Corbyn's campaign, I think. Uh, can be safely compared to Captain Scott turning up in Antarctica with nothing but 40 crates of beer, some ping-pong bats and a karaoke machine. He would probably have lost anyway, but he definitely did not give himself the best chance. (laughs) Oates would have gone for a longer walk earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He lost 2.6 million votes compared with the election uh, two years ago. Um, ended up with 10.3 million votes, which is still more than Tony Blair got in his third successful election in some more curious mathematics. Uh, Boris Johnson managed to get the Conservatives up from Theresa May's disastrous showing up by, as I said, 1%. Um, oh, it's baffling. It's, it is. That is genuinely, to, I still don't understand it. We I'm... need to buy a calculator as a nation <laughs> and pay more attention in maths class. Mark well, Francois, one of the great heroes of the uh, of um, oh, recent yeah. British politics, Um uh, he said uh, a number of things in, uh, I think it was on the BBC coverage. Uh, We've got what we want. We're leaving the EU. Now, remember, folks, this was a general election, a general, ge- general, general election, a general election, <laughs> not a, re- a general election that affects everything. Not It's not a referendum on one thing. It's a general election. But uh, he also said this. This was well, a, possibly the highlight of all the coverage. He compared the fall of the Berlin Wall to the fall of uh, what is described as Labour's Red Wall, that string of seats mm. across the North and Midlands of England. So he was he was saying that was alongside the the mm. fall of the Berlin Wall. Ah. So there's a few key differences. So at last, I guess. the Tories in the North can be reunited with the families yes, of the Tories <laughs> in the South. Yeah, I ain't seen my sister for thirty-two years because she lives on that side at war. And the trains are shit. But there are there are certain key differences between the Berlin Wall and Labour's Red Wall. Trying to get across it, uh, the Labour's Red Wall, you need to take you know the M6 or the M1 or as you say a dodgy train line, and the traffic can be really quite annoying at times with some roadworks. Versus. Fully armed East German soldiers shooting you to ribbons. Almost in- indistinguishable, I guess, between those two walls. The we, Ber- had, we had to dig tunnel <laughs> under Uddersfield. <laughs> and almost, also, also very importantly, uh, David Hasselhoff is much less interested in 
<laughs> the Berlin Wall, built by a powerful empire of murderous autocratic pseudo-socialist despotism, Labour's Red Wall, voted in uh, in elections um, over many years. Potato, potato, I guess. Uh, sorry, not potato, potato. I meant radioactive flesh-eating robot wolf with claws coated in rabies, potato. Um, the Berlin Wall. No Subse- one says potato. I hate that <laughs> Subsequently. <laughs> sub- sub- no. Subsequently. It's potato, potato. Yeah, just look at the results in the paper. <laughs> I'm getting confused. Um, the Berlin Wall became a universal symbol of hope for a better future, free from oppression, and also a major world tourist destination. The Labour Red Wall contains Darlington. So, <laughs> significant differences between, between the two. Uh, Daniel Hanan, um, another in the... Uh, uh, Arch pro-Brexit uh, Camp Tory MEP says, uh, issued this tweet after the result became clear. To, uh, seriously, Remainers, did you think 17.4 million of us didn't mean it, that it was some sort of joke? Now, without wishing to speak on behalf of all Remainers, uh, or indeed the not sures, not old enoughs, other not allowed, and not born yet, all of whom will be affected. I said the answers to that were no and obviously f***ing not. Uh, I, don't, I don't think everyone thought that... that that the Brexit vote didn't mean it. And it definitely, I, I mean, I, I know a it, shit joke, and that was not a joke. Was, I could tell when something is just a joke that's not working. You see what I've done? Fighting for Brexit. No, no. Oh, you mean it? Yeah. Do we all do that? Um, I, I, I think I'm relatively moderate in, in most things, but I do think anyone who ever uses the word 17.4 million again should be put in a rocket launcher and fired at Mars with a parachute and an oxygen mask. I'm not a total animal. That's 17.4 million miles an hour. Um, so, I mean, what, what conclusions can we draw about, about Britain? Of, I mean, essentially, that we love lies. Or we, we're quite happy to be lied to, and yeah. we will buy into those lies. And I guess, you know, we're a Christian Except company. Except he's a liar, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah oh, he always tells lies, yeah. But, you know, but he says what he means, so I'll vote for him. <laughs> well, he says what he's pretending he means, yeah. which is... A, as good as the same, isn't it? Well, I, I've been following Boris Johnson for the last couple of months on Instagram. That's why I hate him afraid. <laughs> yeah, it's a good reason. <laughs> and I've come, I've come to the conclusion that if you're seen doing things in modern politics, physically doing things, so I, he was he was picking up fish, he picked up a pig once, <laughs> yeah. he's carrying crates of things. Yeah, driving a forklift truck yeah. thing. Yeah. For a, Worked for Tony yeah. Abbott, ate an, ate an onion. Yeah. yeah, didn't he eat an onion twice in a week? Yes, two, two raw raw onions on television. Yes, he was just he being polite. You can't, you can't compete with that. No one can compete yeah. with that. I mean, that is a man who will. I mean, I mean, that's proper. What doing won't something. he do? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just just putting things in your mouth looks like something than just <laughs> waving at things and saying that you'll think about another referendum. You know, Prime Minister Modi was on a. a, a was seen with a cow, was seen uh, on a scooter, was seen on an aircraft fighter. He wasn't doing it. He was just on these things, (laughs) doing things. And I think that is far more important in a democracy now than policies. Mm, That's how Instagram works. Yeah. Thank you, Alice. You become an influencer by by being, doing, you know, sitting on a couch, visibly. (laughs) Henry VIII pretty much did nothing apart from wear massive trousers. (laughs) 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 Worked for him. Did have to pose for all those things every time he stood to be king? Oh, someone was always oh, painting yeah. him. Oh, look at the him. Painterazzi. Eating, a, eating yes. a chicken. Beheading <laughs> a wife. He's always doing something. Just keeps going, kept him in the papers, though, didn't it? People knew where they stood with him. I have a quick question, um, because I'm new to this country's election coverage. Um, yesterday on the BBC, and 
I know that election coverage has changed a lot with technology. So in Obama's election, I remember the big CNN thing was being able to do touchscreen, to go into a state and have it expand. Yes. And then you just had just, you know, election experts just playing with the state, you know, just throwing. Well, they'd go into into each sort of area, wouldn't they? Yes. The guy go, hey, let's have a look at this little bit of Wisconsin here. And then they go like that and they go, now this is Fourth Avenue in Wichita, and you know, they're, they're, yeah. Miss Johnson there, <laughs> and then she. Yes. That? Okay. What's that accent? So, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. accent. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically, Wisconsin accent. <laughs> yeah. But that's right, oh, they would, they would go. me for not knowing the exact bloody dialect <laughs> of which, people in which some town in Wisconsin, not. <laughs> but Mark was going there, he had zoomed in on the yeah, house. He zoomed in, sorry, yeah. sorry, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Your perfect <laughs> accent. Oh, I didn't mean so to offend perfect. you. I'm sure it wasn't perfect. <laughs> sure it, was it was glorious. More Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> But they could go down, you know, at least there was the appearance, again, of doing things. You know, they would just go into a house and stuff. Yesterday, uh, on the BBC, outside your main BBC studios, they decided to go analogue. And Andy, you were talking about this. They didn't do technology. They had a huge puzzle. A f*** great jigsaw, basically. (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, And they were moving hexagon pieces from red to blue. And, you know, I didn't know what the red wall was, but at the time it looked like a necklace. And they kept moving it around physically, which was a lot of work for the lady through the night. Yeah. Oh, uh, like the yeah. worst game of Risk ever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Wasn't it? Yes. I think that's quite a good summary of this election, actually. <laughs> um, I didn't I mean, actually see any of it because um, I was in a sort of uh, a Labour Party office. So there was this sort of silence from <laughs> 10.01 to 10.03. <laughs> And then everyone went and sat on a chair. <laughs> and I think the first time anyone spoke was about one forty-three. <laughs> it's like a pinto play. <laughs> it was like a pinto play. Was. If only they'd done that during the campaign. Just <laughs> three hours and forty minutes of silence it would have gone better, I think, than Corbyn talking. Um, I mean, let's try now uh, to. I mean, it's it's easy to be very negative on our side of the political seesaw. <laughs> and that's, Various <laughs> apocalyptic suggestions about the impact of five years of uh, Johnson government, <laughs> reduced civil liberties, attacks on democratic institutions, uh, hostility towards, shall we say, the insufficiently British. There will, of course, also be a tsunami of online bile and uh, newspaper fury. But let's clutch at some very flimsy straws here and try to slurp uh, on uh, the uh, definitely on the turn borderline cheesy milk of optimism. Um, uh, John, Boris Johnson essentially doesn't give a shit about anything and uh, is, you know, he's nothing if not an unprincipled chancer who will do anything to further his own <laughs> career. Um, furthermore, he's no longer, because he's got a decent majority, no longer tied to the total raging, hard, stonking Brexit boner lunatics within his party. So given that, you know, he has essentially a, a moral vacuum style of politics uh, based on uh, opportunism. Is it possible that this could be harnessed? That his 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 power base is, you know, seats that were generally Labour, so it's a very kind of shallow, volatile support. I mean, because there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, that, this means I'll definitely win the next election." That kind of majority has not been overturned before. Do you have any shred of optimism, Mark? Yeah, I do, because the um, although I think it in. In the South, in the South, the results were 
amazing, really. If you hadn't, if they hadn't happened, like, like for Labour to win Canterbury is extraordinary, and that's never ever happened up until the last time. So there's bits of the South, you know, like winning Battersea back uh, again. I know they'd already got Battersea, but there's all sorts of they took Putney. So there's bits. There's 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 probably a dozen results that if you just saw them and nothing else, you'd think Labour must have a majority from that. But it's just uh, so I think we'll be we'll be coming upside down, aren't we? It's like in the eighties, people in the north would go, "Oh, it's right for you down south, all you Tories, you don't know about us up here," and it's the opposite of that. Now we'll have sort of all website designers and coffee shop people going, "You haven't got a clue about us, all you Tories in Dudley and Wolverhampton, and Bishop Auckland and Sunderland and Stockton. You don't know what it's like doing a podcast. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know what it's like uh, having to." Put a different letter every couple of minutes on the top of a frothy bit of coffee. You haven't got a clue. You've never been confronted with a deconstructed latte, you <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Do we think Sorry? you resign? What do, what do you think? Corbyn. Yeah. In the next couple of days? Um, well, I mean, you'd f***ing assume so. But um, <laughs> you did say that he, he's going to um, stick around for a period of, of reassessment, I think. Reflection. 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 Um he yes, did say right. he didn't want to lead the next general election, but that gives him, what, five years to quit? Yeah, and one after that, he could be back for. So, um... <laughs> I, feel, uh, <laughs> I feel a period of reflection isn't useful if you have the face of a Medusa. But Mark wrong. raises an interesting... Mark, yes, but I mean, again, this comes back to the point. Again, I've probably made this before on the Bugle. It, Jeremy Corbyn was the wrong leader of the Labour Party. The right leader of the Labour Party was the idea of Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> <laughs> they just need it. just the vague concept, and the Conservatives have that the idea of Boris Johnson as their leader because there is essentially no real Boris Johnson, no. and they've been outmanoeuvred. Shall we move on to non-election <coughs> stories? Well, Alice, I mean, I wish you'd said that half an hour ago. <laughs> would be in a much better mood. Uh, yes. Now let's move on to uh, non election stories and don't forget to follow the bugle for the next five years for world exclusive coverage on the uh, johnson reign um <laughs> you are the bugle's bird life correspondent um what have you got for us yes andy in uh, bird life news now there's been so many bird things that have been happening i think it's very exciting uh, in america there's scandal coming up around a, a new um, pigeon fashion statement a charity has come forward as concerned after a series of pictures appeared on the internet of pigeons wearing tiny cowboy hats uh in las vegas bloody stories uh, assuming that they had had a, a great win on the tables um and were showing off their newfound wealth by wearing these little hats people were taking pictures of the adorable birds and putting them online but this charity has come forward and said it's probably not good for pigeons to be wearing tiny <laughs> tiny cowboy hats well why are there so many pigeons in vegas i assume it's just because they've heard it's a very seedy place <laughs> yeah or to play baccarat <laughs> i'm here all week <laughs> that's not strictly true next week i'm at the soho theater from monday <laughs> <laughs> running to the 8th of January. Tickets oh, online. Also, in, in a rectification of historical wrongs, Jimi Hendrix has been cleared of blame for the release of parakeets <laughs> in the UK. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. There's an ongoing rumour that Jimi Hendrix... So, I'm going to stop you there, because <laughs> there have been some combinations of words in recent weeks that we never thought we'd hear, including this week, Prime Minister hides in fridge. <laughs> <laughs> but... Jimi Hendrix cleared of blame for release of parakeet. 
So well, Andy, I'm surprised you don't know this. As someone yeah. who lives in South London, yeah. Well, there are a lot of parakeets, but I'd never. I'd yeah, always, yeah, yeah. I always assumed they were more of an Eric Clapton thing. But so uh, Jimi Hendrix. Right. So well, this is the thing. There's been a rumor swirling for years that uh, because Jimi Hendrix released some uh, a pair of parakeets in Carnaby Street in the 60s, right. that he was the cause of parakeets in Britain. Oh, I see. In the way so, that visible like... minorities are always blamed for large scale problems. Okay. So it's not like Elvis faking his own death. <laughs> <laughs> Just, well, we need a Jimi Hendrix rumour as well. Oh, he re- le- well, no, he did release two parakeets, oh, but right, okay. uh, parakeets were, they were not exactly the Adam and Eve of all parakeet right. presence in, in Britain. There um, is one other, because you might find, sorry to interject, but there is one other uh, rumour as well, which, which I think is even more glorious, which is that when the African Queen was being filmed at Shepperton Studios, <laughs> they used parakeets and some of them escaped because uh, they were trying to make it look like the jungle, and some of them escaped um, from the studios, and that's that was that the is thing. another another rumor. No, yeah. apparently there have been parakeets in the UK since the 1860s, and there was large scale intentional releases in about the 1930s, and also in 1952 with this recurring what's been called parrot fever, <laughs> where people were trying to seed parakeets across across the United Kingdom. <laughs> well, I mean, because. I'm pleased that it's not Hendrix's fault because I love love Jimi Hendrix, but my appreciation of his music was significantly <laughs> diminished by the sense that he'd introduced foreign gene pool to <laughs> our British bird species in an effort to turn British pigeons green. <laughs> so I'm glad he's off the hook for that. That's better. The to grateful turn dread bought in the red squirrel. <laughs> well, there are other accusations. Um, some people claim that it, the, the Carnaby Street story is bullshit. That actually he just played a guitar solo of such unfathomable genius that a parrot spontaneously birthed from his guitar. <laughs> Um, but as you well, say, also well, Shakespeare is responsible for the badger when he made a dog f- a rock. <laughs> that must be historically accurate. <laughs> Don't believe everything David Attenborough says. Alex. <laughs> um, I will continue to do so until he dies. Um, he will never die. Um, oh, remember I mean, when but, David but, Attenborough wasn't an endangered species? <laughs> <laughs> remember we'll when nostalgia was good and oh, not all about Nazis? He, it would be within, entirely within the character of people like Hendrix to uh, release um, uh, parakeets. Um, Eric Clapton, of course, released a bucket of carp into the Mississippi on tour in America, <laughs> which ate through the entire local population of river eels. Uh, Joe, Joe Satriani was responsible for an infestation of wombats in Tokyo, released accidentally after a spectacular show-stopping finale to his little-known album track, Furry Frank, the Combat Wombat. Uh, that went disastrously wrong. <laughs> and his fellow axeman Peter Frampton's attempt to prove that worms were in fact baby snakes led to an, ex- to an extremely distressing snake scapade involving a, pe- a pair of Randy Boa constrictors having a vigorous snake rumpy on the Lincoln <laughs> Memorial in Washington, D.C. <laughs> uh, interesting um, Hendrix facts, of course, uh, famous for various songs, Purple Haze, which is a song about a rare breed of Taiwanese puffin. <laughs> the pro-coffee anthem Hey Joe, and uh, Voodoo Child, which is often mispronounced. It's how, actually, how is it meant well, to be pronounced? Because it's spelt C-H-I-L-E, isn't it? But yeah, it's yeah, pr- yeah. actually pronounced Chili. Uh, because <laughs> he, had a, he had a magic globe <laughs> and once spilt a glass of water on Chili and it broke a 30-year drought in the Atacama Desert. <laughs> That's a fact. I found my unacceptable, refuge. Unacceptable, well, look, level of to be bullshit. Honest, you say that unacceptable, unacceptable level of bullshit. That is the gold standard <laughs> for success in this country now. <laughs> 
Mexico has been turned on its head with protesters storming the Palace of Fine Arts in Mexico City on Tuesday uh, because of a painting of Emiliano Zapata uh, on a horse with an erection. The horse has the erection. He's nude, he's wearing high heels and a hat. And uh, people have been more enraged about this piece of art, fine art, than I think anyone in the UK has ever cared about art at all. Uh, they've been. They want the painting to be burned. It shows Zapata in this high heels, pink hat, naked on an aroused horse, and his grandson is furious. <laughs> he says, "For us as relatives, this denigrates the figure of our general, depicting him as gay." Which I feel like is a stretch, just because he's nude on an aroused horse. That doesn't say anything about his sexuality. Maybe oh. about his sexual preferences. But... Yeah, or you know, just the fact that you know he was an adaptable man you know, clearly he found himself in a situation where he needed to escape from somewhere naked and was not hidebound by social convention and escaped on an aroused horse yeah right. and the, no, no one's no one's objecting to the aroused horse i think they're just direct, yeah. objecting to the what about i bet that the aroused horse's grandchildren are furious <laughs> casting aspersions upon the aroused horses maybe they're proud yeah. reasons for i mean arousal. what horse wouldn't pop a boner if they've got a famous general on their back yeah yeah oh. and also in the revolution <laughs> can you what <laughs> was that a rhetorical question? It was. All oh, right, okay. Was There's it? Only multiple choice. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we don't know also that the work of art was uh, is in fact Zapata. Uh, it could well have been um, the England cricketer Graham Gooch, who <laughs> one of his uh, his nicknames was Zap in his early career due to his similarity with <laughs> Zapata. It's, it's, that is a genuine fact. You've, you've had a go at me for telling lies. How about a bit of praise for a bit of fact? I will never, never give you praise right, for thanks. that, Danny. <laughs> no, well done, you. <laughs> I'm just surprised that it's seen as insulting because in a revolution, an element of surprise is key. Yeah. And what's more surprising <laughs> than showing up to the main palace nude on an erect horse? Yes. I mean, and it's a very... I mean, the paint that horse is, I mean, really... Extremely. Oh, yeah. Interestingly, every appearance by Putin on a horse has been an attempt to recreate this photograph. But it, yeah. but I don't recall Putin ever ever making a horse aroused, which suggests that he's not as good as. Zapata. He's insufficiently masculine. Yeah. yeah, sure. We'll take that, Vlad. <laughs> Marlon Brando played him in a film, didn't he? Gooch. Yes. <laughs> it was called Gooch. Well, I mean, the Gooch is yeah. very. Um, very yeah. relevant in this painting. I mean, if you're riding a horse while the bar, naked... The boar's been swinging outside the half stand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's one of the highlights of my year. This is disintegrating rapidly. <laughs> Again, a, a, an entirely appropriate phrase for today. Janu <laughs> Vab, yes. um, a quick bit of uh, other universe news. Well, I've got uh, one that I think, uh, you know, because we've talked about Boris Johnson impersonating a prime minister <laughs> and just nobody knows who he is and etc. playing various parts. Uh, a- an Indian man has been <laughs> impersonating a Lufthansa pilot for about... Thank you, pardon? Yeah, uh, an, in- an Indian man who is not a pilot has been going to airports dressed as a Lufthansa pilot for five and a half years and flying on different commercial planes and all he's had 
is just a pilot's outfit. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> finally, Lufthansa caught on and said, this is a fake badge. And this is just something from a fancy dress place. And he said, yes. Uh, but for five years, this, this gentleman has traveled the world just dressed as a pilot. So I mean, if that it, gives me absolute hope that Boris Johnson will successfully be able to lead the Conservative <laughs> yeah. Party. You, you just have to dress the part. And do but things. Wouldn't he have to get through the? How do you get through security in it? So he had, you know, when you look like a pilot, apparently Indian airports just let you pass. Um, and he had the hat and he had the thing, and he had a fake badge made, and the badge was really fake because it just said pilot on it, <laughs> <laughs> with, with no further details. And it took Lufthansa and everybody else about five years to catch up, but he'd seen the whole world in that time. And yeah. presumably yeah, become quite a good pilot as well. <laughs> <laughs> and he just get on planes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they go, he, oh, he's a pilot. <laughs> yeah, and he just he just dressed as a pilot, and, and I think that's a nice. Wouldn't he go in the cockpit then? Uh, sometimes I think they they let him. There's, uh, you know, but but most of the time he travelled first class, and uh, yeah, there was always an empty seat, and he was uh, just because he looked the part, which I think is quite relevant and in the modern world. Well, he's it's, a one man metaphor for twenty first century <laughs> politics. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Mark, earlier you brought up how the world was in the future going to be divided into sort of conservative shipbuilders and, yeah. and you know, liberal meme makers. And so on. But you have to dress the part. Yeah. You know, in my head, shipbuilder has to like, you know, look like a shipbuilder yeah. and the meme maker has to have a coffee in his hand and tight pants and a, and a long beard that's carefully groomed. So this guy, he's way ahead of time. He, he got himself a pilot's outfit and a thing and confidence. He said, how did they say, how do you cheat so many people? He said, the main thing is you have to walk in and look the person in the eye at the airport and say, pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if there's a message from this week's show, it is that lying works, and for f**k's sake, practice it. Um, uh, that said, there will be no lies about our voluntary subscribers uh, at the end of this week's show. This is in honour of all the lies that have been told during the election campaign. Uh, that brings us to the end of this week's Bugle. Uh, thanks very much for, for, for coming in on uh, what I know is a difficult day for you in particular, uh, Mark, and indeed um, well, well, I think Britain it just, in general. It's not, it just means that the whole of my life has been a failure. <laughs> <laughs> That's all Nothing right. wrong with that. Most people's lives have been a failure. At least you've got a reason to point to. Thank you. <laughs> a positive note to end on. <laughs> Alice, thanks very much. You can see uh, Alice alongside me in the Certifiable History at Soho Theatre, uh, also doing her show Savage from the 2nd to the 4th. In the, uh, uh, in, you can double up, in fact. You can go to uh, my show at 730 Spot of dinner, and then Alice is at... 10.15. 10 uh, it's the 2nd to 4th of January, um, renowned for being the time of year in which people least want to see comedy, so do, do come out. <laughs> come to two comedy shows in the evening. Mark, have you got any uh, talk shows coming up? No. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if, um, I well, have, actually. I think it's starting in February, but right. I don't know what... what um, don't know where it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just wander about, you'll find me. <laughs> how I think about my whole life I think. <laughs> <laughs> and have I any uh... um, I'm back in April uh, so I'm starting uh, a small run of the Edinburgh Show Democracy and Disco Dancing at Soho Theatre 27th April oh. which unfortunately happens to be my birthday but it's, uh-huh. a, it's oh. a good way to spend it mine's the 7th of January well I mean you just drop that in a few weeks out to try and haul in oh some, yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. buy me presents yeah. birthdays have been cancelled 
Um, a Buddhist, not an idiot. <laughs> Now that is an election campaign. (laughs) (laughs) That would let you through airports if you just had that T-shirt. Thank you for listening, Buglers. Uh, We'll be back next week with the final full Bugle of the year. Thank you for listening.